Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, This week, we are continuing our sermon series, The Story, and we're coming to a section of the story, God's story, his story of salvation for you and me, with what happens after Jesus dies and rises from the grave and ascends into heaven. There are new beginnings, and I've got to say, coming back from vacation to the week new beginnings, I am so excited because my entire vacation was filled with things pointing to new beginnings. I mean, like I said earlier, there are times in maybe some of your vacations where you get to the end of the vacation, you're tired of seeing each individual family member, and maybe you were visiting some other family members that you're tired of seeing, but like that wasn't the case in the two weeks that we got to share together. We spent a week up in Elk Rapids, with my wife's family. We spent a week in Charlevoix with my family, and we got to experience just, I mean, lake life. And, and I'm, I'm coming home, and, and so many good things happening on this vacation. And I'm coming home, and the, you know, one of the first things I do when I came home from my vacation is I stepped on the scale and confirmed it was a really good vacation. It was so, my goodness, it was so good. And you're wondering, you're like, you said you went up to Elk Rapids and Elk Lake and you were on the lake at Charlevoix, like, but Pastor Matt, you don't look any different. You're still kind of pale. And you're right, because I put on SPF a million and I just sit in the shade. I mean, the times, the times that I jump in the water, I jump in the water. Okay, that's really nice. And I'm out of the water, and I'm back in shade. And, and I was, I, man, I was stunned over and over again by God's provision in the new beginnings that he gave me during my vacation. I would take my cell phone, my cell phone, which is always in my pocket and never leaves my person, and I would take my watch, which is literally strapped to my arm, and I took them out, and I took the watch off, and I set it on my nightstand, and then lived my day undistracted and unavoided. And at night, normally I'm the kind of guy I need some sort of like droning in the background so I watch shows that I know just on loop. And, and I, you know, my wife puts up with me, so thank you, Jesus. But on my vacation, I didn't have a TV in the room. And, and I, I came back and I said, what are some of those things that I can do to bring back part of my vacation? What are some new beginnings that I can have in my own life? And so this week, I took the TV out of our bedroom at home. This week, I took the cell phone, which normally charges right at my bedstand, so that it's the last thing I touch and the first thing I pick up. I took it out of my room and I plugged it in in our common area. So that it's not the first thing I touch and the last thing I put down. And, and I'll tell you one more thing. Uh, on my vacation, we had a really nice shower head. And so I get back, and it was my, uh, it was my birthday this week, and uh, I, I bought myself a shower head. And I, I went on to Amazon, I looked for the best shower head I could possibly find that was kind of the similar style, and I'm looking at all the colors, and man, a lot of the colors are super expensive. And then one of them was half price. And so we have a mismatched bronze shower head in my bathroom, and it sprays so 
wonderfully. It is, it is amazing these new beginnings that God has given me. Coming back from vacation, I'm, I'm reading more. I'm on my phone less. And, and I'm just thinking, as we look at the new beginnings of how God's people are transformed by the death and resurrection of Jesus, how does that happen? How does God give each one of us individually new beginnings in his death and resurrection? And what we discover is that you actually have to go back a little bit to before he died to understand the fullness because something amazing starts to happen when God's people live the way that God tells them to live. And to go back, we've got to go back to the night before Jesus was crucified. He gathered his disciples together for a meal and he shared these words in the meal in John 13. John was there. He heard Jesus say these things and he wrote them down in his gospel. And Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so also you are to love one another. And by this All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I mean, it's a high standard that Jesus gives to us to love one another. As I was reading through uh, in my course of my week, as I was kind of going along, I was reading books here and there. I was was kind of, you know, investigating new things. and, And there was a book by Andy Stanley. And Andy Stanley is a Christian pastor down in Atlanta. He, he pastors a really big church, and he wrote a book called Irresistible. And he was studying what made that early church so irresistible, so compelling that you would want to come and join together with other people that were of different classes and societies. I mean, the early church was filled with slaves and masters, Greeks and Jews, Michigan fans, and Michigan State fans. I mean, the early church was just filled with people who should not mix and mingle. And they all loved one another. And the world looked at that, that mishmash of people getting along. And they were compelled. And Andy Stanley, in his book, he wrote, everybody wants to be one anothered. When God tells us through the words of Christ Jesus, love one another, everybody wants that. Everybody wants to feel included in a community defined by one another love. And I'm sitting there thinking about new beginnings and I'm asking myself this question, what would happen if we did this? What happens if we actually listen to the words of Jesus and we love one another? Of the disciples of Jesus who were sitting at that table on the night Jesus was betrayed, only one of them lived into old age. Every other disciple of Jesus who was there died a martyr's death. And only John lived into the age of... Retirement. And John wrote his gospel to the church to tell us of God's love. And he wrote this letter. And in chapter 4 of his letter, he writes to you and to me, 
2,000 years ago, he's writing words to you and to me. And he says, beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, I underline that last, that, that last piece because this is a uniquely Christian idea. No other religion in the entire world claims that God is love, that God descended from heaven and was born as a man, that this man who was Jesus was God and died for you and for me and rose and ascended into heaven. This is unique. And John is writing to us, and he says, in this love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Uh, what does that word mean? Propitiation. Anyone? Have you ever had a debt so large you couldn't pay it back? That's what that means. Jesus is our repayment. Jesus knocks everything away that stands between us and God. Jesus makes everything whole. He's the payment for our sins. It's his blood that was shed that covers us and forgives us and frees us. And, and John, he wants you to know, yo, I was there. I was sitting at the table with Jesus when he spoke. I was watching Jesus as he was arrested. I saw the nails go into his arms and to his feet. I saw the spear go into his side. I heard him say, it is finished. John says in his letter, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for that day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loves us. The motivation, the capacity, everything that we have that's love-related comes from God's love for us. And, and John concludes, he says, if anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For who, he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. And so it comes back to the main point that Jesus tells us, the new commandment that he gives to us, love one another. And that's like pretty grandiose because when we talk in English and we speak, I, man, I love God and I love my wife and I love my family and I love pizza. Wait, what? Like, 
How, how in the world can I say that same word about the God who created me, saved me, and redeemed me, my family whom is the world to me, and then this round, delicious food that I... How, how does that even relate? I mean, how do we love one another? And, and I, I'm, I'm wrestling with this, and I'm wrestling with the language that we use, and I'm, I'm looking at all of the other times that the New Testament tells us to one another each other. And so I, I put a blank there. Blank. One another. And we fill in the blank. And I started looking through the scriptures. Paul tells us in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because he's the Savior who delivers you. Submit to one another. I mean, we don't even have a concept of that in our world today where we can submit to one another, where there's mutual submission out of reverence for Christ. Paul says to us in Ephesians chapter 4, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Where's the motivation come to forgive that person who hurt you? It comes from Christ who forgave you. So be kind to one another. Forgive one another. I want, you to, I want you to right now, right now, to a person sitting next to you or near you, I want you to turn to them and say, I forgive you. Like, really do it. Now, one of the, one of the great things that... One of the great things that happened this morning is somebody responded for what? For what? And like all the wives look at their husbands and they're like, I know, right? And all the husbands are like, I don't know. But like forgive one another. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you see you're doing. Encourage one another. Build one another up. I want you to turn to the neighbor that you just said, I forgive you. I want you to tell them you're amazing. Right? No one said for what this time. Right? For what? I know I'm amazing. Right? I was born this way. Right? No, actually I had hair. Um, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, finally, brothers, rejoice aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Like, there are times in our lives where bad things happen, and we are hurt as people, and we need other people to be around us, to love us, and to care for us. And the way that God's love is revealed to us is that he gives us his, his body, He gives us each other. I mean, I had one goal for my two-week vacation this year, and that was not to lose my dad's ring again, right? So last year, I went on a family vacation, and I lost my father's ring. And I prayed that it would be found, and it was never found, and then 10 months later, it just shows up. And so I'm like, oh, dear Jesus, when we go on this vacation, I'm going to be like on the boat, I'm going to be, you know, not that much. I'm going to be in the sun and in the water. Okay, not that much. But, like, don't let me lose 
my dad's ring. We're good. It's still there. <laughs> Paul tells us in Romans 15, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome one another. I want you to turn to a different neighbor and say you're welcome. Right? This, yeah, right, this another for what one? Like, what did I, what did I do? But it's more than like, thank you for being a friend. It's more than like, you're welcome and thank you. It's like, no, you are welcome here. And why are you welcome here? You're welcome here because God loves you. And because we love each other, you are welcome here. Paul tells us in Colossians 3, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. And in Galatians 6, Paul says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I mean, bear one another's burdens. What are you struggling with? What breaks you down? What hurts you? Like, the early church was defined by one another love. And the world saw what they were doing and how they were living, and, and it was irresistible. It was irresistible. They tell us what happens in Acts chapter 2 after one of Peter's speeches that we heard the beginning of today. On Pentecost, it says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They loved one another in all of the ways that we just described and more. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. Now one of the things that we are considering at Holy Cross is a new mission ministry plan. And it's called Noel Church and this is an effort that our leadership and the leadership of Living Word have been working on for the last year. And we shared the ministry plan on Thursday and we printed copies of it this morning. It is comprehensive. It's 16 pages. We want you to read it. We want you to digest it. We want you to understand it. But we also want you to know that, that this is not written in stone. It is our best attempt to project the future and we want to be as faithful as we can in the mission of God that he's given us. To love one another. 
And over the last year, we've been sharing ministries with Living Word. We've been doing women's groups and men's groups and youth groups. We've been having all church events where we get together in fellowship and we get together in service. And I know that last Monday, not everybody was there. Not everyone was able to see and to participate in the amazing power of God, power of God that was displayed when we came together as one and loved one another and loved our communities. And so Bill Whitney, a member here at Holy Cross, made this video of what happened on Monday, and he wanted to share it with you. And this is the exclamation point of my week. Take a look. What if the unbelievers, where we live, where we work, and where we play, witnessed the love that God has given us, shared with one another? I mean, they might be skeptical about what we believe and what we confess, and what we proclaim, but they would want to be around us for the love that we share with one another. Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That is the new beginning that he promises each and every one of us in Christ Jesus that you are loved by God so much that he gave everything for you. And he invites you to share his love with one another. Pray with me. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have given us it all, that you have given us your love in Jesus. Lord, we pray that we would share your love with one another, that we would love one another by serving one another, by bearing with one another by submitting to one another, by being kind to one another, that we would comfort one another, forgive one another, that we would welcome one another. This we pray through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.